You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in to your preview here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard getting you ready for Louisville and Syracuse. Thanks so much for checking us out today. If you're new to the show, please give us a rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, what have you. We, we'd love to hear the feedback, and you can also catch us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, where you will get the latest in SU news and all that good stuff, and we'll be tweeting out this game, a Friday night game, our first time getting a look at Syracuse under the lights this year. It's, it's so nice, so refreshing. We, we're not waking up at, at 11 a.m. Central or 12 p.m. for this this game that we're going to have to sit through, and it's, oh, like yeah. another Syracuse game, an early morning game, and it's just, it, it feels kind of nice to have this big game feel to it even though you're looking at a team that that's one in seven and the others two and five right now yeah i think is louisville two and six or two and five it, it it's hard to keep up with they've both been pretty bad but two teams that are one and six in conference play and louisville just has one more win in their in their non-conference game and weird right because louisville was projected to finish fourth in the preseason acc standing so it's been a tough year for them and they've fought through some of the same stuff that syracuse has fought through in terms of injuries and they had an opt-out this week to their running back who's turned pro and they they've had a lot more covid stuff than syracuse has had we we've really been pretty fortunate to have played every game right i think every game has gone on yeah no you're right i mean you are correct louisville two and six this season um but Dino Babers going on his radio show the other day saying another round, another round of all negatives. So they've they've maneuvered this season unbelievably well. Yeah, and compared to the rest of the country, where last week it felt like really everything came ahead, and the SEC is yeah, had you're tons. already seeing some cancellations this week too. So yeah, and, and some college basketball cancellations as well. So when we look at this Louisville team, and again, you brought it up, a, a very very, very underperforming group under Scott Satterfield, who's in his second season with the Cards. And you also brought this up too, but they're going to be without some of their best players this week. Obviously, the big news from the week is that Javian Hawkins going to declare for the draft, so he's doing the same thing Trill and Andre Sisco did, foregoing the remainder of the season. And he's the, the fourth best rusher in the ACC, a guy who was knocking on the door of a thousand yards before he decided to opt out. And I mean, the way that we've seen Syracuse play the run probably would have gotten to over a thousand yards this week. <laughs> um, so dodging a huge bullet there. And then on top of that, their top receiver, Tutu Atwell, likely going to be out of this game with an injury as well. So you're talking about the top running back and the top receiver, two of the top three PFF grades on the team. And I know when people hear PFF grades, Tim, you either do one of two things. You go, one, you're you're pushing your glasses up on, on the bridge of your nose, or... <laughs> You're, you're just a collective sigh of frustration. But here's how I look at PFF grades, okay? You've got a spice cabinet, and you've got the oregano, you've got thyme, you've got your all, all these different spices in there. And this is just one of the spices that you use to craft the recipe here. And I'm not going to say that PFF is the, the, the be-all, end-all, but it's also not something that you should ignore either. So... Wherever you stand on PFF, I think they they do a very good job. Again, they watch every single play, and that's something that most people don't do. And the fact that they have these grades up seemingly the next day after watching the games is unbelievable. But there is some fantastic data, and we are going to be utilizing it a lot more 
in terms of maybe not necessarily the grades, but some of the underlying numbers like snap counts and stuff like that and who's doing well in pass and run protection and all that stuff. So Yeah, I tweeted something out today from our account about uh, how quarterbacks are performing under pressure. I can give you that stat later on when we get to the Syracuse side of things, but they do have some some very interesting stats, and I, I like that spice jar spice cabinet analogy that you threw out there that's a good way of yeah i ran out of spices i, I, I that's the, the depth <laughs> got i got to, to oregano and i got to time and then i i, I guess like I, I could have just thought of the uh the was simon and garfunkel song what is it like parsley sage rosemary and thyme so i, I could have thought of and just kind of <laughs> rattled through that right but, yeah um anyway so Hassan Hall, a one-time Syracuse commit, likely going to be filling in for Hawkins because he should be healthy enough this week. He's missed a couple games due to injury, and he, I believe he scored a touchdown against Syracuse yeah, he two did. years ago, um, and then I, I, maybe he scored again last year. I'd have to check his numbers, but... So he should be healthy enough to fill in. We know that he is definitely a guy who could be capable, not of filling Javian Hawkins' shoes, but of giving this team something in the running game. And then the receiving end of things, well, one guy I'm looking for is once this Cardinals team gets into the red zone, and I think they should get into the red zone a decent amount. They should be able to move the ball against Syracuse. Marshawn Ford, their big tight end, five touchdowns this season. So watch out for him as a potential guy once you're inside the 20s. The story on Louisville all season has been They've been putting up the total yards. They have Cunningham, who's the dual-threat quarterback that can do it on the ground, do it through the air, and they've just turned it over too much. You go back and look at kind of their schedule, and they have some bad losses, and they have some close losses, and then you pull up the box score of the games, and they're dominating the total yards, which is usually a great indicator of if you're going to win the game or not. But they are one of the worst teams in the country in turnover margin. I know they're last in the ACC, and... Last I checked, they were very, very close to the bottom of the barrel in the country. And this year, it's peculiar because you've got teams that have only played two or three games. So Louisville might be getting, like, some, in some regard, you could say a bigger sample size helps them, but it also could hurt them given how much they've turned it over. Anyway, they, they've struggled to turn it over. And Cunningham, at quarterback, he's kind of like the Georgia Tech quarterback. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Jeff Sims. Jeff yeah. Sims, yeah. That tons of talent. You you watch him and you can see that he is a guy that when he's right, when he's clicking, could really pose some problems, especially to a defensive line and, and the defense that Syracuse has, which honestly the defense is, I think we've said throughout the year on the show, has actually been probably a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. They're fifth in the ACC and a lot of stats. And I think pro football focus, PFF again, has them fifth in terms of defenses right now grade wise in the ACC Louisville is ninth offense eighth defense so they're a pretty balanced team but Cunningham has potential he just is going to make some mistakes he's got nine interceptions this year so when you couple that with the 16 passing touchdowns he has not a great touchdown to interception ratio there but the one thing that he does well is he can run the football I think last week against Virginia he ran for almost or he ran for over 170 yards and I think he had two scores as well So when you look at a guy like Malik Cunningham, Syracuse really hasn't gotten a big dose of these running quarterbacks this year. They had Jeff Sims against Georgia Tech, a game that they won, keep in mind. And then they also had Willis from Liberty and a game that they got absolutely boat raced. But that (laughs) game got to the point where they didn't even need to run with Willis because their running backs were having a, a day on the ground of their own. So 
It'll be interesting to see without Hawkins in this game how Syracuse goes out there and performs on that Friday night stage. And here's what I want to see. Here's the matchup I'm looking forward to watching is Tony White versus Malik Cunningham. What is the Syracuse defensive coordinator going to do to try to combat him? Is he going to spy with a guy like Lee Koba? Because I think that would be a fascinating matchup, especially when you know Cunningham's not going to have his number one option in this game, in 2-2 Atwell, in all likelihood. At least we think, yeah. So is he, yeah. So that leads me to think of one of two things. A, is he going to try to make more happen on the ground and try to play hero ball that way because he is without him and he's also without his top running back who he could lean on a number of times. So is he going to try to be the difference maker and make it all happen? Or B, is he going to try to play hero ball through the air with his arm? And is he going to try to force, is he going to try to be, I, I kind of think of it this way. Is he going to try to be like how we've seen Russell Wilson play these last couple of weeks where the Seahawks haven't been very good, but you see Russ making a lot of mistakes because he just feels like he has to do everything for that team. And in reality, he may not have to against some of these teams. And I think that the Seahawks have played two inferior opponents the last two weeks, and we've seen Russ's worst football the last two weeks. So that's what I'm looking forward to here. How is Malik Cunningham and how is Tony Ward going to attack it? Are we going to have to see a big game out of Garrett Williams, who's going to be cornerback uh, number one in this game? Or are we going to have to see a big game from the rest of the, the fill-ins that we're seeing across the board in the defensive backfield? I think Louisville is going to go to the ground early and often in this game. And I know they don't have Hawkins, but I mean, Hassan Hall, it just the storyline kind of writes itself, and it worries me just thinking about it because, oh, it's the former Syracuse commit who decommits and then goes to Louisville and then runs all over Syracuse. And, and that's going to be tough to watch if it does happen. But A, Louisville doesn't need to have tons of talent in the backfield because we've seen Syracuse give up some explosive plays on the ground all season long. And then B, they, they do have still a decent amount of talent, even though they don't have Hawkins. If Hall is healthy, which we expect... He's a good back and a back that I really wish Syracuse had right now, even though Sean Tucker's been great. He's a 2018 guy that could have provided some some punch to the offense. And then they also have the kid that Buckley, who played and started for them last week, he looked pretty good. And even though they were without Hawkins and Hall last week against Virginia, arguably a better defense than Syracuse, although Virginia's been down a little bit this year, they still move the ball and they still put up yards. Louisville's going to move the ball in this game. The question is, can Syracuse force turnovers? And honestly, Cuse has not forced turnovers the past three, four weeks. I know they're minus eight turnover margin in the last three games. They didn't force any against BC. Week before that was Wake Forest, if I'm not mistaken. Don't think they forced any in that game. So it's getting to the point where there's been a regression to the mean a little bit in the turnover category, and they were getting a lot early on. And now it's, okay, are they due to to have another one of those three, four turnover games that can propel them to some good offensive field position and capitalizing or is it just like this is the new Syracuse defense without trail and without Andre Cisco? I think it'll be somewhere in the middle but forcing turnovers is going to be a key in this game because that's where Louisville is vulnerable that's where Syracuse has proven to exploit teams a little bit in the past more so in the beginning of the season if they can do that then they can even out what probably will be a big disparity in total yards by the end of the night. All right, there's nothing that goes better with watching our team on Friday night than Coors Light. I know what I'm doing, whether it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, pretty much any day that ends in a Y. If there's sports on, I'm watching with Mountain Cold Coors Light in hand. It's the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. 
And with the return of hoops around the corner and football in full swing, there's never been a better time to stock up on mountain cold refreshment of Coors Light. Do what I do, settle into the couch, order some food, and also order some Coors Light too. That's right, it's not just your local restaurants that deliver to you these days. Coors Light can appear at your door in just a couple of clicks. Go to get.coorslight.com and you can have a six pack, 12 pack, or even a 24 pack of mountain cold Coors Light at your doorstep in under an hour. That's right. Go to get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Golden, Colorado. So looking at this from the Syracuse lens here, this is a team that is going to be going in now with a true freshman starting his second game. Kobe and Morgan, all, all eyes are on him in this game because the offense, again, wasn't great last week. You, you mustered up, at the end of the day in the ACC, you need to score touchdowns because a lot of these teams can play with these high scoring games. And Syracuse right now, just frankly, is not one of those teams. They're one of the worst teams in scoring offense, total offense, pretty much any offensive metric, they're near the bottom. So against a team like Louisville, what are you looking for most out of Jacoby and Morgan in start number two? I think this is going to be a, a better sample size because you're coming off a of bye week. I want to see – there's the excuse of him not knowing the offense is gone at this point and the excuse of this offense needing time for him to learn the playbook and to open it up is gone. I mean, you had a bye week, and I know Dino hasn't had a great track record off the bye week in his career, and a lot of that is because Eric Dungy was hurt after the bye week, or at least the second one for a lot of those seasons. But this this is a game that when I looked at the spread, which we'll get to, minus 18 for Louisville, I scratched my head originally because I'm thinking this is a 2-6 and six football team, and Syracuse is coming off a bye week, and they've lost five in a row. Yes, like we know Syracuse has been bad this year. We've seen it firsthand but you'd have to think they could cover 18 points. But you dive into the numbers, and, and I'm starting to get a little bit more torn on that, and we'll get to our picks later. What I want to see from Syracuse, though, is them open up the playbook a little bit more, and hopefully they're a little more healthy, right? After the bye week, Dakota Davis is now, I mean, he came back four weeks ago and played a game, so that's a big question mark. That's what I'm going to be watching on the first series is, is Dakota Davis starting? He's not in the depth chart, but then again, Trill Williams is the backup punt returner in the in the depth chart, so that kind of tells you where the depth chart's at and what Dino does with the depth chart. So, I mean, Dakota Davis has played some, but is he at the point now where he's healthy and he's ready to go that he can start? And then if he is starting, who do you move off that line? Because Chris Elmore statistically has been the best offensive lineman if you look at pressures allowed and pro football focus stats this year. He's really come a long way, and I think what he's done is extremely impressive. I'm looking for this out of Morgan, okay? Can he sustain long drives? And that might not be totally up to him. That might be a little bit on the running game as well, because when I look at this Louisville team, they have the second-best pass defense in the ACC. They're, they're four yards behind Clemson at a little over 195 a game. But the interesting thing about this Louisville defense is – they're not very good, and it's because they allow more rushing yards than passing yards per game. I don't know what the, what kind of, how exclusive that club is, but I'd imagine it's a pretty short list of teams that allow more rushing yards than passing yards per game, and I, I'm looking to see if we can see a big Sean Tucker game, but I want to see Jacoby and Morgan manage this game, sustain these long drives, which is doable against Louisville, because this is a team that is 12th in the ACC in third down defense. Uh, opponents can convert on almost 45% of their third downs here. 
So when I look at what the offense can do, how can they help out the defense? They can give them rest. And I think you can do that against Louisville when they let up third downs and you can let that clock run a little bit by running the football. So Jacoby and Morgan, just don't turn the ball over here. And Syracuse, you're going to have a chance in this game. So I got a number for you here. Guess what the percentage of pass plays compared to run plays is this year for Syracuse. And keep in mind, game flow is going to you know influence this number a lot and the fact that Syracuse has been down in a lot of games. But guess how what percentage of plays they've run the ball this year? They've run the ball on, let's go, 40% of plays. 38%. So it's game flow, but also, wouldn't you like to see that number a little bit higher? I mean, we've got Sean Tucker. Especially this game, yeah. Yeah, he's been the bright spot. I want to see them run the ball more. And it does feel like they try to run the ball, but it's at inopportune times. Like, it's the run, run, pass, punt we've seen a lot this year, where you're running on first down, running on second down, and then... Sometimes they get it to third and two, and then they try to pass. And it's like, well, if we just gained eight yards on the first two runs, why don't we just try again because we can get two more. And you, you scratch your head, and a lot of it's hindsight bias, but I want to see them run the football a little bit more. And then I'll give you the uh, under-pressure stats for the Syracuse quarterbacks this year. I tweeted this out, but Tommy DeVito was pressured 46 times this season. He's two for 20 throwing the football and was sacked on 21 of his 46 pressures this year. That's 45%. His pro football focus grade, one under pressure, 37.5. Rex Culpepper has been kind of the same. He was sacked seven times on 24 uh, times he was pressured. Pro football focus grade, under pressure, 24.0. Now, Jacoby and Morgan, smaller sample size, he's only been pressured 13 times. He's thrown a touchdown on one of those pressures. He's four for eight completion. And he's been sacked four times on 13 pressures. But because of the touchdown, his grade is 73.7 under pressure on pro football focus compared to the other two. What that tells me is, A, it's a small sample size and we shouldn't jump to conclusions on the grade. But remember how Dino was saying, oh, well, no one blitzed him in like that seven seven on seven scrimmage at the end of the Wake Forest game. Let's not glean anything from that. When he's been pressured, his grade has actually been better than when he's not pressured. And DeVito was completely opposite. DeVito, actually, when he wasn't pressured, graded 91 on pro football focus and was throwing touchdowns and stuff. So Morgan is a not as capable of a, of a passer and a playmaker once he's got a clean pocket as DeVito, which is to be expected. He wasn't as highly recruited, and he's, and he's younger than DeVito, and he's learning the offense. Not quite the same arm talent. Yeah, right. but when he's under pressure... I love those stats, and it's a small sample size, so I'm going to continue to watch Can it. I, but that's let great, Let me say right? something here about the sample size. Yeah. I don't care how small the sample size is. I know what my eyes tell me. Right, okay? that's the thing. My eyes tell me that when there's pressure, DeVito go, goes in the fetal position. Rex went in the fetal position. They, they just froze under pressure. Jacobian navigates the pressure. He gets out of the pocket and makes things happen, whether it's going to his strong side or his weak side. He doesn't matter. He's had the best feel inside the pocket out of any of these Syracuse quarterbacks this year. And it's not even close. And the grade shows because, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the efficiency numbers out of it also show it. And the fact that one of his touchdowns has even come under pressure. I mean, think about the play. Was it to Sherrod Johnson in his first yep. appearance? And again, it's against Wake Forest. You can say the second stringers, whatever. I don't care. This guy was once upon a time a fourth or fifth stringer on this team. So... With Jacoby and Morgan, he gets out of the pocket, rolls to his weak side, 
has, has sense where the pressure is coming from and makes a play. We've seen him make plays under pressure. And that's something that we have not seen any Syracuse quarterback do this year. I think that's a great sign. And it goes back to why I believe a dual threat quarterback is best for the system. Why I'm excited about Justin Lampson. Why I hope that they go after guys like Garrett Schrader next year. We saw with Dungy, DeVito has not worked in this system. And Morgan is already showing flashes of just having more feel, even though he's way younger and played way less. And it is a small sample size. So we'll continue to monitor it and give you guys these stats. But I mean, he's completed four passes on eight attempts, and DeVito and Rex under pressure the entire season combined have completed four passes. So he's already tied them in completions, and they've thrown, quick math is 36 times, he's thrown eight times. So, I mean, it's a small sample size, but at some point you got to see that this is a drastic start to the difference in how he's operated under pressure, which is a great indicator because we always talk about how much of it is offensive line, how much of it is DeVito. Well, I think the stats show that when DeVito has a clean pocket, he is really good, and we've never debated that. But when he has a bad pocket, which happens a lot to Syracuse in the past couple years, he's really struggled, and Morgan is someone that has been able to improvise so far. All right, a couple defensive notes, and then we'll get to Anthony DeBundo with DeBundo's digits, and we'll also get to our prop shot picks a little later on in the show. But defensively, we've brought it up. You've got to win the turnover battle this game. Didn't force one against Boston College two weeks ago. And when I look at this, everyone likes to pick at, oh, the defense, you're missing these big players defensively. Well, can I give you a little rundown of the the turnover breakdown here? Yeah. Of guys that are playing. So Syracuse has nine interceptions. How many of those interceptions will be playing in this game? I would say four, five. Seven. Okay. Seven of nine. They forced eight fumbles. Now, I, I use the, the fumbles forced more so than fumbles recovered. And Syracuse, actually, they fo- every fumble they've forced this year, they have recovered. So, worth noting wow. that. So, maybe there's a little bit of oblong Is that true? object I, I remember one that them. Hannah bobbled, right? And it went out of bounds? I'm, I'm just looking at the, the forced fumbled versus fumble recoveries on, on the, okay. the stats. So, yeah. may, may, I'm, I'm just looking at what the numbers are telling me here. But I got you. Anyway, they have forced eight fumbles this year. How many are playing in this game? Um, six, five, something like that. So if Tyrell Richards plays, he has an or designation on him. If Tyrell Richards plays, all eight of them are, wow. are going to be playing in this okay. game. So 15 of your 17 turnovers, the guys who have been accountable for them, are playing in this game. To me, you have to fly against this Louisville team because they are going, they're prone to fumble the football. Okay, this is a team that can cough it up. We know Malik Cunningham can throw interceptions. He's got nine of them this year, but they're also going to fumble the football. I think they actually, they're like one or two in terms of most fumbles in the ACC right now. So if you can do this and if you can turn over this Louisville team, you're going to give yourself a chance because, listen, they're they're missing their two most explosive targets. And this is a team that loves to use explosive plays. Yeah, I mean, the key to this game is win the turnover battle for me. And that's been the key to a lot of games this year. It's also probably get the running game going with Sean Tucker because I think there's going to be lanes in that regard. And Louisville is not, they've given up a lot of yards defensively. So if Syracuse can't move the ball on Louisville off of a bye week, it's a 2-16 and that has injuries and COVID tests on the other side. I mean, they this is as, as good of a chance as you're going to get to win a game the rest of the year, assuming that the bowl game, if there is a bowl game, which who knows based on what's going on with the amount of COVID stuff and then 
the way Syracuse has played this year. I know there was talks at some point at the beginning of the season that everyone would get a bowl game, but my point is, of the games we know right now, this is your best chance to win, which is kind of sad because it's an 18-point spread, but I want to see them put up a fight in this game. It's ESPN, it's primetime, move the football on the ground, go to the ground often, and try to win the turnover battle as best you can, and try to just get Cunningham under pressure and contain him as much as possible, because as you said, they're down some playmakers on offense. All right, let's get you some more advanced numbers than what Tim and I have been spitting at you all day long. Let's get you to Bundo's digits. The numbers you need to know. Anthony DeBundo breaks down the biggest stats for this week's Syracuse matchup. DeBundo's digits. On the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Cardinals have underachieved in ACC play this season with just a 1-6 record in the conference after an impressive first year under new head coach Scott Satterfield. The Cardinals rank 8th in success rate on offense, but they are first in explosiveness. No team is more reliant on the big play than the Cardinals, and this was equally true in 2019 when Louisville was first in explosiveness, but 5th in success rate. Offensively, the Cardinals will be without Javian Hawkins, their top running back, after he opted out of the remainder of the season. But Louisville's defense is also prone to giving up big plays, too. Only Virginia and Duke allow more explosiveness than the Cardinals, and yet they are fifth in defensive success rate. It could be very hit or miss for the Orange's offense on Friday night, much like it's been the entire season. Because by defensive line yards, the Cardinals' run defense is pretty similar to Wake Forest, who was largely able to bottle up SU's rushing attack. There's only one way that the Orange will be able to stay in this game, and it's by limiting the big plays by Cunningham and the Cardinals' offense. Because of their turnover issues, they haven't been able to sustain long-scoring drives as well as last season. Cunningham is a dynamic, dual-threat quarterback, and when he gets outside the pocket, it could be dangerous for the Orange's defense. Louisville's offense is number one nationally in rushing explosiveness. They do have a high stuff rate and a low success rate, but when they do break a big play, it tends to be a really big play. The Orange have been susceptible to big running plays on the ground all year, as safeties Jihad Carter and Rob Hanna will need to avoid missed tackles and bad angles to force longer drives to beat them. They do not grade out very well, according to PFF. And don't be fooled by the Cardinals' 1-6 conference record. They are much better than their record indicates. They've lost three games by only one score, including to Virginia Tech and number 2 Notre Dame. They may have lost to Pittsburgh and Virginia too, but they outgained both and were really unfortunate to not have a chance to win either of those games late. Louisville's record is only worse than indicated because of its turnover margin, which is the worst in the country, at minus 18. History suggests that these tend to regress, which means the Cardinals are in for some positive regression coming their way. And Syracuse defense remains third best in the conference at preventing points from scoring opportunities, which will be a key as the Cardinals are mediocre themselves at finishing drives on offense, ranking middle of the road in the conference. But it's on offense for Syracuse, where I wrote a column in the Daily Orange about how Dino Babers needs to be more aggressive on fourth down. Three separate times against Boston College, Babers opted to kick a field goal or punt when going for it was mathematically the better option. SU was dead last in finishing drives in the ACC, so they need that extra down when it makes sense to take a risk, and they may need that extra down if they want any chance of being competitive with Louisville as 19-point underdogs. You know, he brought up a lot of good points, but the one that stuck with me, and again, when he does these previews, he usually focuses on the opponent, but he always gives you one or two Syracuse tidbits. And of course, Anthony DeBundo, Daily Orange, you can check out all all of his work on the Daily Orange, and you can follow him on Twitter at Anthony DeBundo. The thing about the fourth downs and that he brought up at the end about Syracuse, how Dino Babers should be going for it a little bit more on fourth downs. 
yes, the math tells you to to go for it in a lot of these certain situations. And when you've got this this uh, this struggling group, but how about let's just throw the math out quickly, okay? What do you have to lose at this point? Like seriously, yeah. you should be. We knew Dino Babers as this uber aggressive coach. That's we saw it. Syracuse was among the top and fourth down attempts in the first couple of years of Dino. And now again, he had a lot more trust in his quarterback back then. But what I got to say here is, what do you have to lose at this point? Seriously, you you when you are a, a bad football team, you should go out there swinging every single game. Oh, you should be the most yeah. aggressive team on the field. Also, when's the last time we saw a trick play? I mean, we've been calling for that for weeks now. And unless I forgot one that happened and was busted or something, or even just a fake punt, like, give me something, Dino. I mean, you're supposed to have that in your arsenal as this aggressive guy that is willing to take chances, modern offensive style. I'd like to see a trick play or something a little bit more creative or out of the ordinary in this game. All right, coming up next, we're going to do our favorite thing we do every single game week. It's the prop shop. We're going to get you our picks against the spread, against the total, and then we're also going to give you a couple of fun props that you can play along with at home. That's coming up next. Okay, quick break. I want to remind you guys about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the marketplace. I order about one to two boxes each month myself. They're up to 18 amazing flavors. Comes in nut and non-nut flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Literally nothing else that, that you need to say. I mean, that is as good as it gets. It's good for the health-conscious guy. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, yet high-protein and high-fiber. You take the peanut butter bar, for example, one of my favorites, 19 grams protein, just 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. It is a delicious, delicious treat, whether you're out on the golf course, whether you just finished a workout or a run. Great to have, and it just makes you feel a little bit better about yourself than snacking on something that also tastes good but is bad for you. So I recommend you dive into Built Bar. Our promo code is locked on. It gets you 20% off at BuiltBar.com on your next order. Again, that's locked on, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off on your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, time to make you some money here on the Prop Shop. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard with you, Locked on Syracuse Podcast. You can play along with us on our Twitter account, at LO underscore Syracuse. Tweet at us your picks for the Prop Shop. What are you liking here? So we'll start with this. Oh, okay, I guess we have to start with the bad news here. Yeah, it was a tough Tim, week for us. <laughs> downer of a week for us. We had a bad friend. beat, though. We should address we that. We did have, okay, yes. So we had a lot of Jacoby and Morgan leaning uh, props. And again, when we record these, we had zero idea he was going to be starting. And I think one of the props we even had was, will he start in the game? Yeah. So we took a, a hefty L there out of the gate. And again, I think Rex would have started the game if he was fully healthy. But we come to find out the day of the game that he is not fully healthy. Right. So, um, so yeah, that that hurts. But hey, that's the way that... Uh, right long, wh- where's right turn- logic, yeah. wrong pick. Isn't that the expression? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But like Vegas doesn't care. Vegas doesn't care about what the the last minute little tweaks here or there are. So that they come to bite you. I guess what uh, turning stones in what Verona, New York. So I guess Verona will come and get you. So um, (laughs) that's the way they're always out to get you. Verona has Um, gotten you and I before. That's for sure. (laughs) Yes, it has. Um, So last week we each go one and four. I think we were almost 
we we agreed on almost everything across the board there yeah. on our picks from a week ago. So we we end up down 440 for the week. Thank God we don't actually have to play these. Um, although it is worth noting, I did go in and make a play on the Syracuse spread once I saw Jacoby and Morgan. Oh, so you did make so some I'm just catch. Gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna put that out there. Anyway, um, I'm 28 and 27 on the year, up 145 for the entirety of the season. You are 26 and 29, down 310. So let's get you back on a little bit of a hot streak here, Tim. We'll start with Jacoby and Morgan. His over under for passing yards that you're setting for this game is 225. Which side are you taking? He was 185 last week, or right right around that. And I guess I should say two weeks ago, but last game. I'm going to take the over. I think Louisville has a pretty vulnerable defense, and the fact that Syracuse might get down in this game as well, Morgan will be more open to throwing the ball, throwing the ball downfield. He hasn't done a whole lot of throwing it vertically, so I'd like to see some of that in this game just to sort of see what he has in that regard. But off a bye week, he should have an open playbook and be able to rack up some yards against Louisville. I'm going to go with the under here because Louisville, the one place they do thrive, as I mentioned earlier, is with the pass defense and they allow fewer than a hundred or fewer than 200 passing yards per game. So based off of that, I don't think Morgan is some extraordinary quarterback who's going to go out there and bust the, the average. So I'm going to say under here on Jacoby and Morgan for 225 passing yards. Next up, we've got the total turnovers. That means both Syracuse and Louisville, two teams that, quite frankly, these last couple of weeks have been turning the ball over at an astronomical rate. We're setting the number at three and a half for total turnovers in this game. Where do you lie? So this one is just giving me fits all year because we always have to set this high given that Syracuse forces a lot of turnovers and they've had a backup quarterback in that has been giving it away. And I think I've been going over mostly, and it just keeps being under, even though it's three and a half. Like, on paper, it should be four turnovers in this game. That's what these teams average. And I'm sure this time is going to be the game where Syracuse falls back into some turnovers because I'm taking the under, and that's just how these things work. But I'm going to take the under because it's been burning me on going over. You know, I'm thinking it's going to go over. It's a Friday game. Things always get a little funky on the Friday night games. Give me the over here. Turnover's a part of the funk formula. So I'm going to go with uh, the over. Three and a half I like that we're disagreeing because I'm running out of games yeah, we to have. catch up. So I, yeah. <laughs> this is it for me. I'm either going to be way down or, or back to neutral with you. All right. So Syracuse, one of the worst offenses in the nation. They are 123rd out of 126 in total offense. How many yards of offense will they put up in this game? The over-under being set at 265.5. So that is their average on the season. And honestly, it's basically the worst in the country because the three teams behind them are all teams that just started playing, whether it's, I think, a couple Pac-12 teams, Massachusetts is in there. Not a good territory to be in, obviously. I'm going to say they go over, though. I think Morgan off a bye, like I said, get Tucker on the ground going. And Louisville, this is going to be a game that should, both teams should be able to move the ball in this game whether they capitalize is another thing because honestly both teams have shot themselves in the foot whether it's Syracuse in the red zone or Louisville just turning it over this year I agree with you here I'm gonna go with the over on this one I think here's my bold prediction for the game all right you ready for it yep bold prediction for the game Sean Tucker over 150 yards in this game I think he's going to decimate this Louisville defense on the guard. Now, of course, he's got to be healthy for that to happen. 
But if if Sean Tucker's in there for four quarters, he's going over 150. I like that, and and I, then I'm only asking for 110 yards out of or 115 yards out of Jacoby and Morgan. So I think I'm getting that, and I think we're gonna get a couple pitched in here and there from a guy like Cooper Lutz when he, they need a spell a guy like Sean Tucker. So give me the over on 265 and a half. I think that's going to be an easy play for this Syracuse team. All right, we go to the spread now. Actually, let's start with the total. I like starting with the total more. All right. Um, We're going to use the number off of DraftKings. 56 and a half is the number. It opened at 58 and a half. It has since dropped to 56 and a half. Which side do you like here? Again, I think I've taken the over every game. I'm going to take the over again. It completely crushed us last week. It was right around the same, and it ended up being a 16-13 game against BC. So, I don't know. I feel like these offenses at this point in the season should be scoring more because they're more into their playbook. They're just tighter on offense and everything. And, I mean, this is, what, game number nine for Syracuse this year? Like, there's not many excuses on either side. So, I'm going to say they go over that in terms of what the total is set at. What was it? 56 and a half. I'll take 56 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with you here too. I think this game does go over. I don't love the play. Like if I was making a play, I probably wouldn't be playing this total, but I like the over 56 and a half in this game, just because of the fact that it's the Friday game. Syracuse has had a little bit of a time of time to get that offense going and I think these defenses are going to make some crazy things happen. Whether it's going to be, we're going to see an, an off-putting touchdown here. And what I mean by that is special teams, pick six, scoop and score, something like that. We're going to see some weird points in this game. And so because of that, I'm taking the over of 56 and a half. And I think with the turnovers, you're going to be setting up some short fields as well for both of these teams. Um, and then the last thing we got here for you, the spread pick, pick against the spread. DraftKings has this up all the way to 19 really? right now. Syracuse getting 19 at Papa John Stadium down in Louisville. Where do you decide on this one? We might have to change this from fake money to real money. At least I'm, I'm pretty confident they cover, even though it's a, it's a team that Louisville's kind of due for a big win, and they've also just lost a lot of close games this year. So on paper, their record is kind of more negative than it should be, where Syracuse has been kind of crushed in every game except for BC last week, it seems like. I'm going to say Louisville 30, Syracuse 24. And the Orange just don't really have enough pop on offense to keep up once Louisville sort of gets into their rhythm. But maybe they'll force some turnovers. I think Tucker has a good game on the ground. I feel good about Jacoby and Morgan. Feel better about him than than Rex Culpepper. So I think they can score some points on a pretty suspect Louisville D and enough points to cover the the line i mean are you with me like isn't that line just way too high and that, I, this it is seems classic way too vegas high for me. though probably like well verona yeah, yeah. <laughs> verona's out to get us tim yeah they know i mean we'll, we'll probably get back on here on monday and it was the same thing with duke it was like why is duke favored against syracuse at home and then they blasted us so be cautious i guess but i, I still think i'm gonna lay on cues at, at 18 even if it gets to 19 and it's not that big of a difference but still that's kind of outrageous yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm taking Syracuse to cover in this game. I, I, I think that this game is probably going to be, it, it might be a seven point game at the end of it, but I think it'll be Syracuse getting a late touchdown. So I, I kind of like a, a 37-30 game here. Okay. And I think it's going to be one of those things where Syracuse gets a late touchdown. And, you know, let's go 37-31. Okay, I think that's a little more feasible. 37-31, Louisville wins this game. But the final score 
a little closer than the the way that the game actually played out. All right, I, I agree with you. So we're both going over. We're both. That's kind of bad. I, I need those picks early on to hit if I want to pick up some ground because then we got to yep. about the same wavelength <laughs> there. Yep, exactly. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Louisville preview for you on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Please, please, please tell a friend if they are interested in this game. And again, I, I was surprised. We threw a poll out there of are you watching this game? Because I know a lot of people have just absolutely quit on this team. They're, they want nothing to do with it. They're, they're done watching. Okay, but my poll that I threw out there on our Twitter account at LO underscore Syracuse, I asked, are you going to be watching the game on Friday night? 84% said yes. The diehards are still out there. The diehards still exist. They're not going away. And we love to see it. So, um, yeah, so we'll be watching the game. We'll be tweeting along with you at LO underscore Syracuse. We'd love to chat with you during game day. So check us out there. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys next week. And programming announcement next week. We will have John Wallace, Syracuse basketball legend. John Wallace will be joining the show. So we will probably be chatting with him on Tuesday and Wednesday. So be sure to mark your calendars and subscribe. And you won't have any problems getting that episode in your podcast feed next week. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys on Monday. Monday.